Welcome to another episode of the Very Not Random Podcast. Last week was part one of myself and Boz chatting with the legend Chuck Carswell himself. Lots of laughs, lots of great information. In case you missed it, go back, listen or watch that one, get all the groundwork. And in today's episode, it's the conclusion of our conversation with Chuck Carswell. Oh yeah. yeah there's, there's been yeah. a little bit there's been yeah. a little bit of an evolution. You know, I, I remember probably at least once or twice with you gentlemen being somewhere at a seminar at some random part, probably dirty south, quite frankly, and and doing some stuff that at the time, unbeknownst to us, would reshape policy, such as, you know, hey, you shouldn't work out so hard during lunch that you are not able to communicate for thirty minutes or so after that. Uh, I remember yeah, getting yeah, back to that. I think it was in Florida sometime. We did some, I don't even remember what the workout was. Okay. Oh, I, I do. Oh, oh I do. This, this is when Mike G had to get up afterwards and do like the GHD lecture or something like that. And of course, Mike yeah, G is, yeah, a, is yeah. a ferocious animal. So he went so hard. It's crazy. And even though 10 minutes had gone by, I think he like walked up with like no shoes on to the GHD, like just, just leaned on it in pain. It was like, oh, <laughs> And like couldn't couldn't start speaking, you know. <laughs> it's like oh, there's so many stories like yeah. that, oh, just, yeah. just all over the place. You remember I the mean, workout, get, Chuck? Yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the it was the it was the team workout where it was wall balls against it was wall balls, deadlifts, and a sprint down to the opposite end of the gym and back and tag your partner so oh, it was like literally yes. wide open yeah and it, it i think you might have put it as like i don't know five rounds or 20 minute amrap but the intervals was so doggone short that we just kept going kept going kept going <laughs> and of course it ran right up to the time <laughs> right up to the time we were supposed to be back in the classroom so yeah. you know the best part about that too to go back to something we were talking about the uh, early level twos you know, I think sometimes people didn't have the insight into the other end of it, which is we were so ruthless with feedback to each other in oh, those days. Yeah. Like this was not just, you know, a hard yeah. go for people that wanted to get that training certificate. Yeah. It was internally ruthless yeah. about, you know, if you didn't do something that was, uh, you know, good for the group or good for the, uh, the, the seminar, like you knew about it yeah. and there was no bones about it. So <laughs> I, yeah. in, in keeping with that, I, I might get the individual wrong, but when I think of direct feedback, I think of Todd Widman. Absolutely. Yes. And, <laughs> and I think he was giving feedback to who was it? Maybe it was one of you. I think it was like Joe Alexander or Chris Spieler, Joe Westlands, you know, since there was somebody like that where, they were an intern under Todd or a new trainer under Todd. You know, they're on staff, but a newer trainer. And afterwards, there's the debrief, you know, where the flow master will, like you said, make you better. And something happened. And let's, let's just say it was Joe Alexander, because that just makes the story better in general. And so something had happened. And, and, and Joe said something, or the person said something like, oh, well, I can tell you why I did that. I know, I know it didn't look right, but I could tell you why. Todd was like, this goes better if I just talk and you just listen. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, so, and so truth like there was there was there was harsh straightforward feedback not only, not only to yeah. participants but amongst ourselves as well and you got oh, yeah. you got real good at taking that feedback and 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 even when it was given directly you know like i'm using that story in jess like it was given from a place of just listen, man, like this, this is what you need to hear. Right. So let just take it on board, internalize it, yep. apply it to next time. And our, our brief will be shorter. 
and you know, and life will be great. <laughs> oh man, I still remember some of the first feedback I got from Dave. This was early days, like old Santa Cruz, like 2007, one of the first gigs I ever helped out at. And uh, we were running, I didn't remember the, the group we were doing, but it was after one of the group breakouts and, um, you know, we come back in together and I'm all fresh faced and enthusiastic <laughs> and I'm kind of waiting for the, the attaboy and Dave just looks at me and says, don't ever do that again. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, completely okay. not what I had expected. <laughs> no, I was just like, okay. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I want to say, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, man, it's like, you know, we, <clears throat> people often try to, you know, ask questions like, what is it that makes a great trainer? And, you know, what, what, you know, what helped me be better and all this stuff. Mm. And it's like, you know, in order for you to be better, you have to be able to hear the stuff that you don't want to hear. Those attaboys, yep. girls, when those things are all said and done and you, and you lay out this roadmap of this is what needs to improve. That's the stuff that you hang on to. And if you can, I mean, like, honestly, that stuff is probably, you know, it doesn't have an expiration date on it. It's like, you can constantly yeah. use some mm -hmm. of that stuff to improve for years and years to come. I remember the early days, I'm kind of like you, Boz, our, the feedback I was expecting, I think I got a lot of it from you, Pat, in the early days. I wrote that stuff down, might have even been sent to me an email, and I would literally have it in my manual so that Friday night when I got to the hotel, I'd pull that stuff out and reread the stuff that was four or five months old just to make sure that it was still trying to sharpen and hone the skill over that time frame and didn't forget the 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 pitfalls that are out there that you could easily fall back into if you're not kind of on your game, you know? So and and there you have it. Right. You know what that reminds me of, Boz? That reminds me of whenever it was we just did that interview with Wes Pyatt about mm, his yeah. affiliate which is amazing. And then we finally dug into like why is it amazing? It wasn't by accident. Like he yep, had an intentional yeah. process. It, it, it might have looked effortless because you showed up to the class and everything went well. And, oh, this is just fun and easy. But it's that way because a lot of people busted their tail to make it that way. And you just didn't see the work. So what you're saying yeah. right there, exactly. You, you see somebody talented, you know, whether it's Chuck or somebody else, get up there, deliver this lecture. Their points are, you know, they have the answers to the questions, the timelines there. They're engaging. And it's so easy to be like, oh, this guy's just got it. It's just, yeah, I wish I was him. It's just, there's, there's some people just have it made and it's easy. And what you don't see is during the three hour flight, you're not watching a movie. You're just reviewing all the feedback. And then at breakfast, it's out there again. And then you're asking for it from other people. And it's a constant process that is behind the scenes. Then you show up, the lights go on, you walk out and you execute well. Well, people don't see the practice, right? They just see the execution. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put on my West Coast hat here a little bit and add to that, that I think part of the reason that we could be so straightforward with one another is there was like a, a layer of trust, I believe, mm -hmm. and I think that yes. that's fostered in any group that you're going to last in, that you can hear that kind of feedback. So you have enough freedom to do a little bit of experimentation. You got enough structure that you know what's expected. You have enough mm -hmm. uh, kind of freedom to experiment within that. And there's enough underlying trust in the group that you're getting this feedback because it ultimately is what needs to happen to push everybody forward. It's not just there to try to take somebody down or it's not there to try to, uh, you know, discourage you maybe mm -hmm. sometimes, maybe once in a while, but, that, <laughs> but in general, it's, 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 it's this underlying network of 
you know, the good things that allow you to be so straightforward. And I think that's the balance that people have to try to get in their affiliate, you know, in their, with their clients, whatever that happens to be. It's, it's both sides of it that make it work. And man, yeah. if you could put that in a bottle, you'd have something special, right? Like, I don't care yeah. if you're level mm. one staff, if you're a sports team, you know, um, put your darn ego aside, realize what you mm. need to be to be a better player on the team. And, yeah. you know, and, and it's so it's so basic and obvious having the conversation. Like, yeah, of course. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? But in the moment when someone goes, hey, let me tell you what you really did poorly today. You're like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I want you to take that, take that noise somewhere else. You know, let's let's go over the highlight reel. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and I think it's hard for people to, like, detach from the from taking that personally. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. It can be really affronting when somebody's like, hey, this is what you need to do. It's hard yeah. not to get defensive and it's hard not to take that as like a, wait, wait, you think less of me uh, as a person. It's like, no, no, not at all. Yeah. This just needs to happen for us to continue to refine it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I try yeah. to tell my kids that too, if they're, you know, going to play like a hard game and they're like, we're probably going to lose. And, you know, it's tough to get across to a nine-year-old, but I'm like, hey, that's okay. Like you, you learn more from the losses than you ever will from the wins. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you got mm -hmm. some stuff to see. You can sift through the ashes after a loss, figure out why it went sideways and not do that again and, and strengthen yourself. But just, you know, hey, we blew them out of the water. Great. You might not have become better from that game. You just you know, blew my yeah. water, did a whole, whole lot of high fives. <laughs> it, it, it also, it also, yeah, it also takes somebody typically not in the moment to be able to put the perspective because sometimes mm. you can attach a, 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 the negative in a fashion that really wasn't accurate because you're emotionally attached to it. It's the baby that you just delivered. And so what went wrong, you might not be able to even accurately identify exactly what that thing was in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And it might take someone else from the outside to be able to, to, to bring that thing in. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, 1989 punt returner, university of Georgia, you know, we're in the Georgia, Florida game. It's just the biggest game, you know, world outdoor cocktail parties, what they call it. <laughs> and, you know, and so, you know, the ball's back, I'm, you know, 18 years old, the ball gets punted and I'm looking up in the sky. Mind you, it's windy as crap. Ball gets turned all around. And instead of catching it, it literally goes right through my hands onto the ground. Oh. Right. And I'm like, Oh God. You know, and of course, you know, all 80,000 people, oh. you know, half of them are going, Oh no, like you fat. And the other ones are going, get the damn ball, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And so I bend over to try to pick it up. And of course I look up instead of grabbing the ball and get separated from it, get knocked out. Basically Florida picks up the ball, ball going first and 10, the other direction. And I run to the sideline. Now, mind you 17, I'm 18 years old now. I'm avoiding Coach Vince Dooley as much as I possibly can. I'm, 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 I'm literally going to see the trainer and, and check out check out my fake injury, my fringery, right? So, uh, so I'm headed over there, and literally he goes, Chuck, and I turn, of course, and hear him, and he, he walks me over to him and puts his arm around me, and he goes, do you, do you know what you did wrong? I said, yeah, I dropped the damn ball. And he said, no, you didn't. He said, dropping the ball wasn't the problem. He said, you tried to pick it up. And it's like, damn, right there. I had a plan. If your ball ever hits the ground, don't be ridiculous. Just fall on it. And it's still our ball. Mm. But you do something other or interpret 
what you did as just being the problem. And it wasn't that I just failed to execute based on the protocol that we had. So sometimes outside voices can help you see the, um, the, the feedback you need to see. So, you know, I, I know as much about sports as a newborn baby as both of you guys know, I don't, uh, I don't follow a lot of sports. So my, my, question in that situation was, I love that feedback and I love how he delivered it. Was that a singularity or was he somebody who was consistently a good leader and consistently good at delivering feedback and messages that were potentially what you didn't want to hear, you know, a mistake? Yeah. And so as a coach, I mean, you've got 90, you know, 90 scholarship athletes maybe in the, in the room. And so I I've got to say that my experience with him was he was a consistent, great leader. There might've been other people that heard sure, things sure. differently, saw things, had different interactions, but, but my experience was he was a great leader. And here's, here was the real kicker. The kicker was, I thought that it was going to be over. I wasn't going to go back out for punt returns because now I basically potentially cost us the game. And he said, right before I walked off, he said, get your head together because you know, you got to go back. And it's like, mm. oh crap. Okay, great. So the feedback is not that I'm going to going back to what you said, boss, that I'm going to strip you of all the pieces, but I still trust you enough that you're still part of the team and an integral part of the team that you've got to get back out there. And so I've got to keep your confidence level up enough that uh, you go out and don't make another dumb mistake, but that you go out and do what you've been trained to do. And so, yeah, yeah, just a, just a unique moment for feedback. And so to me, when I walked into the CrossFit space and I've got guys like Boz, like Todd, like, you know, you Pat and some of the other leaders, Lisa Ray and all those other leaders giving me feedback. It's like, it's a lot easier to, to take that, at least from my perspective, because I've had it and I've got a history of taking it. So mm-hmm. um, just a little perspective there on that. So. That's great that he yeah, really is because there's, there's two there's two parts of that. Right. There's the delivering of the message, which seems like he did very well, you know, without making you feel dumb or, you know, inept or whatever it happened to be. But then also letting you know that, hey, I still got confidence in you, man. You're still on the team. Let's yeah. go do this. Yeah. 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 Just rally the troops. Let's go, man. You know, we still got, we still got a job to do. Yeah. Cause I think you have to view it in the right, uh, mindset. Um, any, any good leader in my opinion is going to frame their feed work around what is going to be best for the outcome of everybody involved or or to Mm -hmm. create the best outcome for everybody involved. Uh, it, it doesn't take somebody that's particularly sophisticated to just criticize everything that's going mm-hmm. on that's not easy that's mm-hmm. not hard to do you know being a yeah. pessimist and just pointing out flaws there's very little utility in that and it takes Agreed. somebody that's a lot more refined to find okay what is the thing that we can do to fix this and make it you know advance and keep everybody involved all of those things that we've just been talking about so yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool yeah you know it's cool it took stuff. a bit when i first uh got introduced to you and started working together. You know, I didn't know your athletic background, didn't know you were such a, a high level athlete or whatnot. I just remember there was one of the first times that we were working out during lunch that I identified that you were not a normal human being, right? So <laughs> okay. we're doing something and I look over and I see you do a thruster and you know, you do get that barbell math that goes through your head. I'm like, what's that? What's that? Wait, what's that? Wait, wait. And this was, I would say, 12 years ago, by the way. And there was 275 okay. pounds on the bar. Oh yeah, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. For oh yeah. Thruster, I remember that for a thruster. Yeah. 12 years ago, I was like, who yeah. is this guy? Is he a cyborg? Yeah. Who who does a thruster with 275 <laughs> pounds? You know, it's like yeah. 2009. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah. that would be a front squat. 
that we would post on the main page as like something to brag about. This guy just <laughs> threw it overhead. You know, I was like, you know what? This guy's obnoxious. I don't want to yeah. work out with him anymore. He's no fun. Yeah. You remember that? I, huh? I think that's. I, I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I think, I think, think that's. Was... Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the lag here. No. Go ahead, check. No, I think that too, Pat, was uh, was after our epic cheat night in uh, West Palm Beach on Halloween, too, I think. Oh, <laughs> Halloween that was the, that was West the, Palm. That, that was Saturday, I think, and Saturday or Sunday, Saturday, I think. Uh, yeah, Saturday in West Palm Beach. That's when you know that you travel too much. Because I don't know if, if you were there yet or hadn't flown in yet, but of course, it was Dirty South, so of course, Mike G was there. And I remember it being with mm-hmm. Mike and, and maybe whatever day that was, we were at like a diner eating somewhere and there was a window there and we saw some people walk walk by in like costumes. And this is when you know you just live out of a suitcase and, and the months of blur. And we're like, look at these weirdos. What's happening down here? People people are dressed up like Dracula and like, you know, like what's going on? And then somebody was like, dude, is it Halloween? And we're like, looked at the, we're like, holy cow, it is Halloween. We had no idea. It's just a... Uh, that's when you know travel blurs. You've done potentially right. too many seminars, and your life is a series of mm-hmm. airports, rental cars, and hotels. <laughs> Live your life there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. At, so well, let's let's just let's just get the number. How many seminars have you worked? <laughs> this is top so secret it's level. Been a few. <laughs> it is. It's not quite top secret. Uh, they've they've obviously keep a running total of it. And uh, first of all, let me just tell you that. I wouldn't. I would not be um, at the number that I'm at had you guys that are that are uh, leaders before me not stepped out and decided to take oh, other roles and do other things. I just no. <laughs> let's be honest, because you guys were in it before me and, and grinded just as much as I did. But um, yeah, it's 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 well over 500, closer to six than than five. So it's like nice. Last I checked, I think it's like five sixty seven or something like that. Five hundred sixty seven. Do you ever think about just the wake of people that have been brought up under that. Do you know what I mean? Like you think about like, like in sports, they talk about the coaching lineage, your coaching trees from time to time. Do you ever think about the branch of people that you have influenced through that work and, and how many of them have gone on to then influence people in their community? And like, that's a pretty powerful thing to be sitting at the head of. Yeah. And you know, Boz, it, it I don't think about it until I see someone and they mention it like, hey, you know, by the way, you did my level one uh, or you did my level two or you did my level one and my level two. And I just want you to know I've opened the gym. It's been open for six years now. And I've got nine trainers and two of them have gone on to open the Phillies. Like that's when it's like, whoa, the magnitude of, of that kind of impact um, is. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not something I think about regularly. I think about typically what I think about is the points that I have on my, on my airline <laughs> and the points I have for, for, for my hotels. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool concept. And, uh, but again, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that only comes up when people think of when people mention it. So. <laughs> well, you know, doing Man. some just back of the napkin math, if if you say 50 people per seminar, which sometimes more, sometimes less, but an average of 50 people times 560 seminars is 28,000 people. Wow. Direct contact. Yeah. That you have yeah. touched yeah. or delivered the message to, or they've had the opportunity to bounce a question or idea off of you. And, and yeah, how 28, you know, if you influence 200 people, they could do some good. 
but 28,000 yeah, yeah. <laughs> going out and not just in the US, we're talking worldwide. Right, right, right. yeah, yeah. And I've been on some flights with you, both of you guys overseas and out of, out of distance and stuff that, uh, you know, that's taken us overseas and places like that. So yeah, it's, it's hard to even think about it. Like I said, man, I, I can't help but be grateful and, and uh, just thankful for all the people that have helped me along the way and provided some, some good stuff for me. So it's good. What and I know that CrossFit and, and yourself in general can sometimes, you know, for for at least for the longest time, I could say titles and positions, you know, were were loose, you know, of of you know where you worked across it. Everybody did their thing, but there may not be the the fancy title that some other companies would have. So right now, mm-hmm. what is your either title or role responsibilities? You know, what's what's on your plate? Yeah, so there's there's a there's a there's a decent amount. Uh, I'm the currently the official uh, manager of the CrossFit Scholarship Program, which is an initiative we started last year. Uh, I'm also uh, on the AAR review uh, and development team, so there's some trainer responsibility that we get, and uh, I've got a little mentor group of uh, flow masters that are around the country um, that are doing the things that we've all done, be on the road and manage their own groups, and so um, yeah, it's a little bit of a little bit of everything um, to help out where I can and. And then every now and then, Boz will recommend that I do some stuff in front of the camera and, you know, get there <laughs> occasionally and, you know, <laughs> and just try not to screw it up, you know, and now, try to be a good steward of the opportunities. The scholarship program wasn't something that was around when I was there. So for anyone who's unfamiliar yeah. with it, kind of enlighten us as to what's that all about. Yeah. So the CrossFit scholarship program is an opportunity that we use for youth and young adults to expose them to the level one kernel. And so what we offer is the CrossFit level one two-day seminar, but we do it without the test. And so we get a firsthand exposure to, uh, again, youth and young adults. That is the two-day kernel. They get the same level one that, that all three of us got, um, where they have an opportunity to recognize that there's a training protocol along with the nutrition protocol that could benefit not only them, but their families. And, uh, and yeah, it's a program we've started that has multiple layers and levels to it that could take someone from first exposure all the way up to and including coaching and owning a gym. There's a path that's laid out for, oh, that's awesome. for those guys. And so, yeah, it's a pretty cool, cool program. Um, we partner with nonprofits to bring this about and also okay. affiliates. And so we do the level one in an affiliate with a partnership from a uh, nonprofit for the, for the kids to, to get involved. I guess that was going to be my question is who's in the audience or how does somebody become deemed <clears throat> qualified or deserving of a scholarship spot? Yeah. And so the hard thing for us is that, you know, obviously what I do, I'm, I'm located in Metro Atlanta. It's very difficult for me to fly into Philadelphia and determine who actually deserves this program. Mm-hmm. So our partnerships rely heavily on those that are doing the work in the community. And they are the ones that vet the kids to get the chance to come to the level one. And so it does two things. Number one, it ensures that the folks that are getting the exposure are the ones that they feel um, you know, can benefit best from this initial offering. And then two, it's an easy way for the kids to have uh, ongoing mentorship and relationship with folks that are, that, uh, that actually know exactly what their program is about and how to incorporate the day-to-day CrossFit piece to, uh, to their nonprofit organization or club. And are these kids that either don't have the financial means to go there or have other hardships going on in life? Um, you know, what's, what's the general cut of society there? 
Yeah, the cool thing is we we set it up to be kind of like the underrepresented um, and underserved community. And what's what we've noticed is is that when we go to different cities, that term phrase takes on you know a varied kind of meaning and approach. So oh, okay. some of the kids don't have the financial backing. Some of the kids have challenges with academics. Some of the kids are phenomenal students and athletes, um, but just don't have the finances to get to this kind of opportunity. And others might be on their very last chance in something like a mm. juvenile system and and have the opportunity to provide a path for them, um, you know, to not only give them an outlet to work out and, and be able to deal with the all the internal things that go along with classic CrossFit workouts, but also, hey, this is something that could be an opportunity uh, for you in the future for job, uh, career, or just an outlet. So. And, and obviously, it's easy to see where the, I would assume, people would like that road to lead. It's exactly like you said, who wouldn't want somebody who is in a hard place or just got a raw deal in life to have a chance, to have an opportunity to, to pull yourself out and, and make something happen, you know, to, to take your life in a more mm -hmm. positive direction. Have you been a part of this or has it been around long enough to start to hear some of those stories uh, come back to you yet? Or is it still somewhat in its infancy? It's still in its infancy. I mean, COVID obviously has decimated much oh, of what right. has happened around the planet. We've had to cancel quite a few because, you know, the areas that we were headed to just couldn't work because either the city, state, the province, whatever, um, wouldn't allow us to do it and mm -hmm. hold a congregation. But then there's others where nonprofits have wanted to partner with us, but because of their restrictions, they couldn't even get the kids to come back to their location. So, uh, you know, it's been a combination of, of both in terms of how we executed don't. The long-term approach, obviously, is to get as many kids as want to all the way out on the very far ends of the, of the opportunity, from gym ownership to job and things of that nature. We've actually had four kids that have now come back and taken the level three that have taken and one that's in the pipeline that's coming back to take the level one to become a coach. And all three of the first three we've had have actually passed the test and uh, are coaching uh, as we know it right now. So, Oh, very, very yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. You know, from so many, from so many seminars, you know, however many passports you've gone through traveling around the world and whatnot <laughs> and, and different and different questions. I mean, you've get to hear questions from people in basically every city in the U.S., over in Europe, Australia. I mean, wherever it is, you know, they always say that it doesn't matter where you are, if you're doing CrossFit, you're you're kind of part of the same clique or crew or community. Right. Do you hear you know, are there common threads, questions, topics, misconceptions that after dealing with 28,000 people recur over and over again, regardless of what city, country, state you're in? And if so, what are, what are a couple of like the ones that doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to, I can count on yeah. here and this. Yeah. Here's, here's, I'm going to give you kind of like the category that I put them in. And then, because the specific questions are, are probably, um, not quite as accurate being from city to city, but all of them come back to culture that you're creating in your facility, mm. period. Okay. And so it's like, as a trainer, uh, how do I go ahead and, and go from being a part of the workout crew to now leading the group as a gym owner at a level two, it's like, Hey, what do I do with the athlete that is shaving reps? What do I right. do with the person that always comes in 10 minutes late, even though they live three minutes from this facility and don't work a job, you know, that kind right. of thing. <laughs> All of those things to me can be categorized 
as the culture that you're creating at your facility. And the one thing that I kind of, you know, harp on next to feedback is as a gym owner, as a trainer leading a class, whatever culture you set or don't set is exactly the culture you're going to get um, down the road. And so if you want people to not put their weights away until the last person's done, you'd better create that. If you want, mm. when new people come into the facility, have a couple of members go up and introduce themselves, you have to create that thing. If you want people to consistently count the accurate reps, you know, wad brain sometimes happen, but if you want that to happen, you got to create a scenario that if you lose count on your reps, what do you do? Do you pretend, make up a number? Do you go back to the last number you recall? Or do you just move away from that set and go into something else? You know, all of those things can be categorized as what kind of culture are you going to create in your facility? Interesting. Man, that, uh, that really resonates with what we talked to Wes about previously. If you guys haven't, I know Pat mentioned it already, but go check out that episode. I mean, this is so similar in, uh, yeah. in just kind of messaging. I, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think that people sometimes forget that the absence of definition around some of those things means that basically the first person to act is the one that's going to set the tone for the rest of the group. So if you have something mm -hmm. like that, where it's just undefined, whatever the first person does, they don't put their dumbbells away. Nobody's going to. And then that's yep. it. The culture yep. set. Now you have to counteract it as opposed to establish it in the first place. Man, that that is so yeah. such a great point. Such a great insight. Yeah. So accurate, Buzz. It's good stuff. Yeah. I probably stole it from you, so thank you. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Do all these seminars blend together or out of over 500, are there still a couple, I hate to say what's your favorite, right? Because now you're going to alienate somebody, but but yeah. is there is yeah, there yeah, yeah. one or two or for whatever reason that for whatever reason stick in your head as just a home run or you know, or a, a, <laughs> a, 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 comedic, a comedic disaster the other way? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm still employed by CrossFit, so I'm not going to talk about the comedic disasters. <laughs> but obviously, you know, you guys, have, you, you know, you've heard, uh, you know, just we've highlighted some of them, you know, obviously meeting Boz at, at the internship and obviously the, the few that you, you've had, the multiple ones we've had. I mean, there's so many that are highlighted. But, you know, if I had to pluck a couple out, um, there's probably some that are landmark days besides the ones we've already addressed. One of them was when we got a chance to uh, to fly over and do a level one in Afghanistan. Like oh, that's yeah. you know, like yeah, to be able to to be able to pull that off. I think it was me, Nadia, um, uh, Jenny Orr, um, Miranda uh, at the time, and John Gilson. I believe was the was the crew, and um, you know that's one of those seminars that stands out because. Uh, it really wasn't about us. It wasn't about, you know, our mm. experience. It was about, hey, some of these girls and guys are coming off the battlefield to participate in this two day experience. And so no matter what we got going on, no matter how crappy the travel was or how good it was, um, this is not about us. It's about them. So that's definitely one. And the second one uh, is is the uh, the one that happened in Texas. Um, it was the wounded warriors level one. Mm. And, um, that one stands out because I haven't felt inadequate as a trainer many times. That was one where 
yeah, I've got to, I've got to keep honing my skill. And so, um, to deal with, you know, with, with athletes that are, you know, you know, a month out of surgery and still experiencing pain and, uh, you know, changing their, you know, their, their wounds and stuff like that. Like that was, that was one of those moments where it's like, yeah, you know, I've got drama, I've got problems, but again, this is not comparable to what these guys, you know, are experiencing. And so, um, yeah, just trying to figure out all of my scripted trainer right. knowledge and experience, my cues and stuff didn't fit that moment. And it's like, you know, the mindset change, you know, Boz, Boz kind of hinted on it a little while back that the mindset change that had to happen in that moment was, hey, no matter what you know as a trainer, you're, you've got to figure out how to get this done. But you're only going to be limited by two things. Number one, your creativity. And number two, the safety of these athletes that you're doing, that you're dealing with. And so at that moment, you know, Andrew Thompson, who was on that seminar, helped me tremendously because, again, felt inadequate. Um, I started to think more like a problem solver as opposed to a trainer. Mm. And all of a sudden, mm. the world of cues comes out. You've got this brand new bag of tricks that you're, you know, that are available to you because you're not going down the laundry list, you've got to fix something that's right in front of you. And so those are probably my two standouts, um, for, 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 you know, for, um, for, um, you know, the ones that, that left the mark, you know? So I think those are some excellent, excellent ones was, was your family like, what do you mean you're going to Afghanistan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Weren't you yeah. supposed to go my, to Cincinnati? My, my... No, no. Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's a conversation that you know had to happen and you know my you know not knowing Dave that well at the time I was like come on now you know I work for this company you know there's military guys and girls in there I'm sure it's going to be 100% safe and you know I I painted that picture and lo and behold you know our last night there in Afghanistan I think the president at the time was Obama and he had his plane was was actually over there um at Bagram Air Force Base mm-hmm. which is where we were and we're in the little hut, um, you know, the little housing area before you run out under the tarmac and get in the C-17 to take off. And, you know, they shot, I guess, an IED over the over the wall and, you know, boom. And, you know, of course, everybody in there is, you know, on the floor. And, I, you know, I'm a civilian, dude. I'm just like panicked. I'm like, what the hell's going on? You know, mm-hmm. screaming on the floor. Fortunately, it didn't actually hit the building, but it did destroy a couple of planes that were out there. And, oh, of wow. course, um you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty scary situation, but again, those guys had experienced it the entire time. So they knew exactly what to do, the questions to ask. And it was like, you know, the civilian me was just over there just shivering like a, you know, like a, like a baby, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's fair enough. I don't, I don't remember if, what the point was. No, but. that's fair enough. I mean, that's, if, if you haven't heard that, that come in and hit the ground, it's an unnerving sound. You know, it's yeah, a, it'll, yeah. it'll it'll catch you off guard. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and it did, and it did for it'll, sure. It'll yeah. catch you off guard. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll wrap up with one final question. Okay, then I'll let you get back to your day. When's the last time? This is this is. There's some memories I have with you of suffering that are cemented in my head. So I'm curious. When's the last <laughs> oh, time no. you did the front squat medley? Oh, oh. <laughs> are you responsible for that, Pat? Was that you? Uh, that, Pat. Pat is responsible for that. Yeah. I have nothing to do with it. Yes, Wait, sir. the yes. deadlift medley too? Was that you also? Uh, uh, then we did, we did with that. Uh, might have been. 
Yeah, but we just we Mont made it Claire dead. Noe, right? Yeah, and yeah. Todd Whitman went crazy. We did it with uh, with Dead <laughs> that day. Traditionally done with the front squats, but that was a deadlift. And and for oh, anyone at home, first of all, oh. I'd preface. Don't do, do it. Do not do this. Don't yeah. do it. But what it was <laughs> Don't do it. was in a pinch, in a pinch where we didn't have a lot of time to lift during during the seminar at lunch. You'd get real loose real quick. You'd load up 185 on the bar. You would front squat to basically failure. You know, and mm-hmm. then the next person would come in. They'd front squat to fail. You get three or four people because the more people, the more rest. And then, yeah, then right. once you did that, by the time the fourth person failed, you can probably stand again. You'd strip the bar down to 135, max out front squats <laughs> oh, no. at 135, <laughs> lay oh, on the man. ground, rolling around till it became your turn again. And then the final set, the worst set, was executed at 95 pounds. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Man, we did that far too many times. Yeah, it was that was a trip down the pain cave that I won't ever forget. Yeah, so yeah, I think uh, I, I want to say the one of the worst was when Spieler did it with this, and uh, I think he's, he got the ninety five. I was so proud. Yeah, so proud uh, of my numbers. You know, I think we had both cleared like some ridiculous amount, and uh-huh. of course. That number came and went when Spiel did it, and uh, he ended up at something like I don't know, like seventy-five or something crazy like oh, that. Man. So would not have felt that out, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I remember. So to, yeah. I, saying, I remember somewhere. <laughs> I think we were in Texas, and Nadia Shatila was part of the mix, and uh-huh. I don't know who else was with it as well, but she was on the lightest barbell. Not an exaggeration. Literally weeping. <laughs> <laughs> as, as she but was still, like, but still, moving. but still front squatting. She would, she would get oh, to the man. top and weep. A couple little tears would roll down her face, and she'd like get a couple more breaths, do two more reps, yeah. come up, couple tears, yeah. couple Jeez. breaths, couple more reps, and it's like you know, wildly inappropriate, yeah. wild. Yeah. But I tell you what, yeah. you want to yeah. build a team that's traveling the world, <laughs> suffering together, bonding together, laughing together, man. Man, we did it, brother. We did it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the last time I did it, but uh, I can tell you, it probably wasn't as good as if you know when we all did it together. That's that's much I can tell you. So it's been a while. It's been a good minute. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll put that one. We'll shelve that one for now. We'll come back to bed. Yeah, Chuck. The, and, uh, the, the company lunches won't be the same. The company <laughs> lunches won't be the same. You're going to have people trying to implement this thing going forward. It's going to be devastating. Oh, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Don't do right? it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In all honesty, man, let me extend my my heartfelt thanks for you being so generous with your time. And before you can say something kind, because you're so annoying, you probably will. So I'll shut you down right now. Allow me to say, I have learned more from you than you have. You have no idea. So bottom of my heart, Amen. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You guys, Thank man. you. Oh, right back yeah, at no. you, Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you guys soon, man. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. See you soon. Awesome, man.